Are you in a post-bac program or specialized master's program? Are you wondering what are the nuances of applying to medical school from a post-bac program? Well, plug in your earbuds. That's the topic of today's episode, along with a healthy dose of excellent med school admissions advice for any medical school applicant. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 526th episode of Admission Straight Talk. Thanks for tuning in. Are you ready to apply to your dream medical schools? Are you competitive at your target programs? Accepted's med school admissions quiz can give you a quick reality check. Just go to accepted.com slash medquiz, complete the quiz, and you'll not only get an assessment, but tips on how to improve your chances of acceptance. Plus, it's all free. Again, take the quiz at accepted.com slash medquiz to obtain your free assessment. Our guest today, Dr. Barry Rothman, is the former health professions advisor and director of San Francisco State University's Pre-Health Professions Certificate Program, which serves pre-med, pre-dental, pre-nursing, and other pre-healthcare students who are preparing themselves to apply to graduate programs in healthcare. This show is going to focus on medical applications, but since 2015, Dr. Rothman has helped accept its clients in all aspects of the application process to medical school and specifically those both applying to post-bac programs and applying from post-bac programs. Dr. Rothman, welcome to Emission Straight Talk. Great, Linda. Good to be here and good to have been part of the Accepted family for now eight years. That's right. That's right. I'm glad, glad to have you as part of the Accepted family. Now, let's, let's go back in time a little bit. How did you get involved in post-bac programs and helping applicants from post-bac programs apply successfully to medical school? Wow, what a story. At San Francisco State, I've had three careers. Started out very research-oriented, leaving a postdoctoral fellowship at UC San Francisco, and then transitioning to SF State as a new faculty member and conducting lab research in a lab at SF State, which I was quite successful at, but didn't really make me super happy. And I decided to stop doing research and to start teaching. I had quite a lot of experience teaching already. And so that made me happier. And then around 20 years into my time at SF State, my dean approached me and said, how'd you like to be the health professions advisor? And I thought, sure, you know, it'll be an easy thing, no big deal. And so I naively said yes. And it took over my life. I just loved doing it. I loved working with the students. I um, actually had been teaching a molecular medicine class, so I was interested in medicine anyhow. And I just took it from there. The students uh, were wonderful to deal with. We created a program that required a lot of political maneuvering through the academic senate. And after a whole year of processing, we had a postback program, a newly formed from zero postback program. Wow, that's pretty good. Okay, well, let's let's start with a couple of really basic questions. What are the different kinds of postback programs, and whom are they for? Sure, sure. 
Well, actually, there's a bunch of different kinds. First of all, you can do a do-it-yourself postback program, or you can enter a structured postback program. So in do-it-yourself, you figure out the classes you take. You could take them at one or more universities, as long as it's a four-year university. And you need some kind of advising, and Accepted can provide that kind of advising for a do-it-yourself postback program. As you might guess, a DIY postback program is less expensive than a structured program. Structured programs, as you might guess, offer structure. And so there's a bunch of people who are running the program. There's uh, faculty who participate in the program. And there's usually fellow pre-meds. Those are mainly the population that are in these structured programs. So. That's one big division, do-it-yourself versus structured. There's other post-bac programs that focus on disadvantaged students or, and or minority students versus a broad population. So that's another way of dividing post-bac programs. Also, some post-bac programs have linkage programs where you can immediately get into a medical school that has a linkage. You're not guaranteed that, but it's an advantage to have that. Some post-bac programs don't have linkage programs. Some post-bac programs are at medical schools, some aren't. Some are very expensive, some are less expensive. Some offer financial aid as an undergraduate, some offer financial aid as a graduate student. And graduate financial aid is actually better. During undergraduate times, you're eating into the lifetime maximum that you're allowed to have for federal loans. And so you may have used all that money up by the time you get to a post-bac program. So having undergrad financial aid is both less in terms of the absolute amount and perhaps zero if you've used up your undergraduate financial aid allocation for federal money. Graduate financial aid is better. It's a whole new pot of money. Of course, do-it-yourself post-bac programs don't have financial aid. So right but they have the total cost might be less anyhow because of the lowered tuition. Yeah. So there are many ways of dividing post-bac programs. I think I've given you the, the main That's ones. quite a bit. The two other divisions that I thought of would be post-bac programs for academic enhancers and post-bac programs oh, for yes, career yes. changers. Yes, that's right. That's right. Thank you for reminding me of that. Right. So career changers are people who are starting out taking the academics for medical school. They haven't had any. So they may have been an international relations major or journalism major, et cetera, et cetera. And they have decided after being an undergrad that, gee, I, I want to become a physician. Uh, many career changers are children of physicians who want to prove that they are making their decision independently of their parents. And so they often go into areas very different from medicine and often do quite well. But then they decide, gee, you know, being a physician maybe isn't such a bad idea and maybe I've proven my independence. And so then they'll go into a post-bac program. So they are called career changers and their curriculum is mostly uh, prereqs for medical school, although they do need to take a few upper division electives as well. 
uh, academic enhancers, and, and there's vastly more academic enhancers than career changers. Academic enhancers, as you might guess from the name, need to improve their academic record. Many undergraduates start out having difficulty in their coursework, and science majors and math majors in particular uh, have difficulty early on, and so their academic records improve, but perhaps if, if not enough, if it's still not strong enough by the time you graduate, then you might want to go into an academic enhancer post-bac program. Also, academic enhancer programs are good for first-time applicants, and they can be particularly good for reapplicants as a way to show that you have made some serious steps in terms of improving your record. Right. That's, that was quite an excellent overview. Thank you. And what about specialized master's programs? If you finish a post-bac program, you don't get an additional degree. You'll get a transcript, right? Um, but what about specialized master's programs? How do they fit into this puzzle? Well, some post-bac programs actually could give you a master's degree. Really? Uh, there's a blur between special masters and post-bac. Okay. Uh, but the, I guess, super special master's programs are, they're created to help people get into medical school. That's, that's their job. And for some applicants, especially applicants who are not disadvantaged and haven't had a lot of barriers, the medical school application process can be extremely competitive. And this might be their last way of showing themselves to be uh, an unusual applicant or a better applicant. So special master's programs are quite pricey, often around $50,000 a year. Wow. So, you know, that's a huge amount of yeah. debt. In, sure. in addition to medical school uh, tuition. And undergrad. Oh, yes. And then the undergrad tuition as well. Yes. And, and post-bac programs that do not confer a master's, what is the typical cost for, for them? If, and I'm not talking on the structured post-bac programs. Right, right. The one that I ran cost about $600 a unit. And so our students taking 12 units would pay... $7,200, something like that in yeah. a semester. So maybe $14,000 a year or something like that. That's a lot less than $50,000. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. For sure. And, and many post-bac programs have some kind of uh, loans available. It's, it's, they rarely have scholarships, but they do have loans, federal loans available. And for some people who can't qualify for federal loans, you can get a bank loan. Okay. And even though federal loans sound really wonderful, they have very high interest rates, such as seven and eight percent. So they're the not banks, a, or the banks are, are more. I think the banks might be a little bit more, but it's not like the federal loans are a real bargain. Right. They they're they can be quite pricey in terms of interest. And it does add up. <laughs> yes, it does. And then sure. there's uh, subsidized loans and unsubsidized loans. So a subsidized loan lets you uh, defer the interest payments until you're in a position to actually make some money. Whereas unsubsidized loans, you're paying interest from the get-go. Well, that would really add up for sure. Yes, yes. Before we talk about the nuances of applying from post-bac programs, what qualifications do all successful applicants to medical school need? Mm -hmm. So first of all, you need strong academic preparation. 
you need to have a good academic record. And if it had some problems early on, that's fine, but you have to show that you've repaired it. And I think what most med schools want to see is at least two consecutive years of very high GPA in the sciences. You need strong MCAT scores. MCAT is uh, a national exam. It compares everybody. So it's one way that med schools can compare everybody that's independent of grade point average. And third, you need considerable clinical and social justice experience. You need to know what you're getting into, and you need to show that you actually care about the health of our society. Medical schools are organs of social change, and they really put a lot of emphasis in choosing people who want to see changes occur, changes for the, for the better. In terms of the application, the application needs to be consistent. Your biographical information, even though it might seem trivial, uh, you need to make sure that all the little pieces of it fit together. For example, if you say that your family had you know, very little income and then you put that they paid for 100% of your tuition, it might sound a little strange. Like how could they do that if they were making $14,000 a year? So you wanna make sure that the biographical part is well-written and internally consistent. You need to have thoughtfully written experiences and a personal statement and really well-written and covering areas that medical schools wanna know about. You need to have supportive, well-chosen letters and you need to choose appropriate schools given your statistics. Okay, that's a fantastic overview. What about research? You know, research is good and some med schools are much more research oriented, but many aren't. And I would say research is not absolutely required. More of a and nice to, to have? It's nice to have, but to do it just because you're checking off a box, you'd probably make you miserable uh, <laughs> doing it that way. I know I've done many, many years of research. It can be very tedious. And so you really need to be interested in it to do it. So I would say do research if you're interested in it. If you're not and you're just checking a box, maybe don't do it. Okay, that's pretty clear. So yeah, there's yeah. two kinds of research and maybe one kind is more appealing than the other. Two broad areas. One is wet lab research where you actually do experiments with solutions and biological materials or chemical materials or perhaps physical materials. And the other is data-oriented research, where you crunch numbers and everything's done on a computer. So they're very different, and one kind appeals to some people and the other kind to other people. What about clinical research? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. thank you. Uh, clinical research, of course, would be great. And many students, especially post-bacs, can get jobs in medical schools or in universities where they're helping to manage clinical trials. So here in San Francisco, we're quite lucky that we have University of California, San Francisco, we have Stanford nearby, and we have UC Berkeley nearby, not a med school, yeah. but the other two are med schools. And many undergraduates and postbacs can get jobs there. You know, for the med school, they're a bargain because they can pay them modest amounts oh, yeah. of money 
and they get highly skilled people who are running these clinical trials. So yes, thank you for reminding me. Clinical research is also another way to go. Okay, great. What are the advantages of applying to medical school from a post-bac program? Well, I think most post-bac programs have good reputations with the medical schools. Okay. And so in a way, if you get the post-bac programs imprimatur, then the med schools think that, well, you've probably been carefully selected and chosen and maybe um, tuned up to be a better applicant. You're in a program with other pre-meds, so the basis of comparison is a little different. They're not comparing you to every undergraduate. They're comparing you to a bunch of pre-meds. So, so pre-meds or to med students? Post-bac programs. Are post-bac programs ever with like first-year med students? Some, some are. So mm -hmm. you can, you, if you're at a med school, obviously you can, yeah. in some post-bac programs, you can take classes with med students. And then that's a really good comparison because yeah. they're actually comparing you to usually first-year med students. So that's a huge advantage. Okay. Now, what are the challenges of applying to medical school from post-bac programs? What are the difficulties, disadvantages? Well, some post-bac programs can be rather competitive. When I designed my post-bac program, since I was able to design it from zero, uh, I wanted to emphasize cooperation, sure. people getting along, and also having a broad population of students, both disadvantaged and uh, highly resourced. So that was, a, that was a real treat to do that. But some programs can be rather competitive and maybe not so good for you. As competitive as medical school is, at the end of the day, medicine is a cooperative venture. And learning how to cooperate is a wonderful skill. And so I would put emphasis on that. And in fact, not only cooperate, but mutually support each other. I think that's the way to go. And that's the way I designed my program. Sure. And so would you say that having had that teamwork exposure in a post-bac program would, would be a, you know, definitely an advantage, both as a human being as a, and as a medical school applicant? Yes, yes. Right. I, and post-bacs, understand each other, understand the craziness of applying to medical school and can support each other. When family members are wondering what happened to you, why are you so crazy this year? And it, it can be very stressful and it can leak out in, in unusual ways. Our post-bac program actually went a long way to offer stress relief by having psychotherapists involved and also uh, stress handling tools. And if your post-bac program doesn't offer that, uh, it's really a good time in your life to develop the ability to handle stress because you're gonna be entering a fairly stressful career. True, true. Most post-bac programs, I'm, some are two years, but aren't most one-year programs, is that correct? Yes, yes. Career changers need two years. Right. It's really hard to it's crazy to do it in one year. I mean, it could be extremely stressful. I've seen some students do it though. They just dedicated themselves 110% to the whole academic endeavor. I've quoted you often when you say the fastest way to medical school often is slowly. Yes, slowly and carefully. Okay. And I don't say often. 
<laughs> okay. Period. 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 <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll no... change. I'll, I'll correct myself next time I quote you. <laughs> There's no quick fix. There, right. It's such a labyrinthine process. To get it right, you really need to think about it over a long period of time and also make sure it really fits who you are. Is right. this the career you want or is it just you want to be an overachiever and look cool? You know, you want to make sure you're actually choosing your career, any career, as long as it's consistent with who you are as a person. Right. Should students count, again, assuming they're in a one-year post-bac program, okay, not, not the career changer programs, should they basically count on taking a gap year after their post-bac program just because of the way the application cycle works? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let so me get to that. Of academic, this... academic enhancers, I assume, would be probably critical. Academic enhancers usually take a year. Mm-hmm. But then That's they need per... a year. They, they need the grades from that year to apply, so they almost have to count on a gap year, don't they? Right, right. It's hard to avoid the gap year unless there's a linkage program. Right, right. But some academic enhancers need more time. We had yeah. academic enhancers that took two years because their senior year academic record wasn't so good. And again, med schools want to see a minimum of two years of strong GPA. And we even had a few people there for three years. That's it was fine. It time, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Now, yeah, one thing I didn't discuss was that some post-bac programs allow you to be part-time. And some absolutely insist you got to be full-time, don't get a job, you're here full-time. In our program, we were flexible because we knew a lot of our students did not get adequate financial aid uh, just through federal loans. And so they had to work. Mm-hmm. Makes and sense. it was fine with us for them to be part-time. So they took, they took longer. Okay. So yes, I'm, I'm a real proponent of gap years. It's a wonderful time to further enhance your record, to get more clinical experience, to think about what you're doing, develop your stress handling skills, and maybe even take some more coursework outside of the post-bac program. Or in a different topic that just interests you. Yes. Another topic that I think is really important for pre-meds is public health. And med schools really like seeing people who, well, if they have an MPH, that's wonderful. But have taken some public health coursework. So you understand the social dimension of healthcare, not just the molecular and cellular part of it. All right. Thank you. How is the post-bac GPA calculated in the GPA, the overall undergraduate GPA? I know graduate GPAs are kind of viewed differently. They're a little bit off the grid, but how about the the post-bac program GPA in, in, Mm -hmm. in an application? So the MD and DO applications have this matrix of GPA calculations. And so on the rows, they have freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, and senior year. So they can see trends through undergraduate. And then completely, a completely separate row is post-bac. And another separate row is graduate. So if you're in a master's program, it would go into graduate. If you're in a non-master's, it would go into post-bac. But every course you take after you graduate, whether you're in a do-it-yourself or structured program, goes into that post-bac bin. As long as it's not towards a master's. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And that bin is divided into three or four different areas. For MD, it's BCPM, biology, chemistry, physics, and math. The other bin is all other. And then the third bin is total. Right. So... 
that's an advantage because med schools can see directly how much you've improved as a postback. And they see how many units too. So if you have five units as a postback, even if it's a 4.0, it's not very impressive. If you have 40 units, oh, that looks good. 40 units of 3.95 BCPM GPA looks good. You yeah. definitely repaired your academic record. For osteopathic schools, they have an extra bin or a couple extra bins. They have BCP, biology, chemistry, physics. They have total science. They have non-science, and then they have total. But it's the same basic idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Can a high post-back GPA make up for a so-so or less than desirable MCAT? Or are they just showing different things? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> There are three gates to get into medical school, and they're independent of each other. So there's a lot of, I think, very confused thinking about, well, if I just do great in the MCAT, my not-so-good GPA doesn't matter, or vice versa. And you have to do well in all three gates, which are your academic record, your MCAT score, and your experiences, clinical and social justice. You really need to be superb in all three. So don't don't naively think that one will make up for the other. Okay, great. Yeah, I know. I, I sometimes say that the test shows you have the head for the, the subject matter, and the GPA shows you have the ability to sit the derriere for, <laughs> for sitting and studying and, and kind of consistent performance. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then the clinical experience maybe shows some of your heart. Heart and that you know what you're getting into. Yes. And especially the social justice experience, I think it's very important to, well, it's not just show it, it's hopefully you actually feel it and you, you really want to better our society. Right, right. Um, any last words of advice for applicants, both to post-bac programs specifically or to medical school from post-bac programs? Either way, going into the post-bac program or coming out of the post-bac program? Well, I'm going to repeat what you said and then I said, which is the fastest way to medical school is slowly and carefully. Okay. It's a labyrinthine process. It's really worth thinking about. There's no quick fix. Take your time and really do it well. If you do it really well the first time, your chances of getting in will be as high as possible. If you're a reapplicant, Figure out what were the weak parts of your application. Get some help if you need help. And don't just reflexly reapply the next year. By the time you know you didn't get in, you have like three months or four months to get your next application together. And how much change can you be making during that time? Unless you were making the changes from the very beginning of the previous application cycle, you're not going to have enough time. Med schools really appreciate people being thoughtful and taking time. So taking an extra year in between applications is very impressive and gives you more time to improve. And, and makes you that much more improved because you took that time. What do you wish I would have asked you? I wish you would have asked me more about disadvantaged and minority applicants. Considered um, asked. Yes, I I thought you would say that. <laughs> <laughs> You've been <Yes>. on before. 
<laughs> yes. So again, med schools are organs of social change and, and they're in a very powerful position. If you think about it, if you become a medical doctor and you come from a disadvantaged background, your socioeconomic situation will likely improve tremendously. And not only will that improve, but most likely your progeny and your grand progeny will also improve that way. So it has a huge multiplicative effect. And so med schools really pay attention to this. But as a disadvantaged applicant, you wonder what's going on here. Uh, are these people patronizing me? I mean, why are they making such a big deal out of disadvantages? And so I think it's important to realize that making a big deal out of disadvantages is, is, is well meant and well thought about, although at times people maybe don't handle it, the, the, the programs don't handle it so well because they, they don't understand what it's like being disadvantaged and and maybe coming from a minority background. So it's really good to be in a supportive environment in a post-bac program that really is supportive of people who are from disadvantaged and or minority backgrounds. And also when you go to med school, you better find some uh, compadres who are like you and support you and make things make sense because if you're a disadvantaged applicant and you wind up in a program that let's say a med school that has 80 percent participants who are pretty well off you might feel rather marginalized and so it's really important to find people to bond with uh, who will make you feel safe at your university and that might be faculty and, and most likely fellow students as well. All right, well, thank you very much. Dr. Rothman, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your, your insight and input. Um, listener, if you would like to learn more about Dr. Rothman or take advantage of his expertise in medical school and other healthcare admissions, post-bac admissions or applying to medical school from post-bac, we're going to include links to his bio and contact me page in the show notes at exhibit.com slash 526. Listener, thank you too for joining Dr. Barry Rothman and me for our 526th episode. If you find the show worthwhile, I have a suggestion for you. Subscribe. That way you won't miss any of our future shows, whether with admissions directors, writing experts, test prep pros, fantastic admissions consultants, or alumni doing great things. You can find subscribe links in the show notes at, you guessed it, except.com slash 526. And a last reminder, take the med school admissions quiz, see if you are ready to apply and learn what you need to do to improve your chances of acceptance. Take the quiz at accepted.com slash medquiz today. Thanks again for coming. This is Linda Abraham, and I'll talk to you again next week.